They might not have hair, but they really do care about faith and life. Two Bald Pastors. Welcome to Two Bald Pastors, a podcast about real faith and real life. I'm Jeff Sinabaldo. And I'm Joe McGarry. And I'm Amanda Gerken Nelson. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> we are two follically challenged pastors, but we're also with the delightful hmm. executive director of Extraordinary <laughs> Lutheran Ministries in person. Woo! Mm-hmm. Yay! <laughs> so the other fun thing about this particular podcast is it is a second take yeah. about a year apart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. <laughs> because we tried this before, and then we had some technical problems, mm-hmm. and then it took a while to find a lineup of time to do it, and then it ended up being the next time we were going to be together in person. And now <laughs> we're a year wiser. And <laughs> <laughs> right. Is that what it is? is I, it I, that's how that works, right? That's I how think, that works? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's wisdom. Yeah. yeah. Well, welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Glad to have you with us. Good to be good. here. One of the benefits, at least for me, is I don't remember what we talked about last time. So this is all fresh. <laughs> yeah, you ever see that? Sh- you ever see that movie Groundhog Day? We're living it, friends. We're living it. We're living it. So why don't you tell us a little bit about um, ELM, mm-hmm. and then a little bit about yourself, and then sure. we can just kind of go from there. Love it. So ELM stands for Extraordinary Lutheran Ministries. And ELM um, has its roots in the early 1990s, late 80s, um, when just after the ELCA formed a couple of uh, students at Pacific Lutheran Theological Seminary uh, who identified as gay, uh, wanted to be pastors and wanted to be able to serve openly in the church. The church at that time was not welcoming of that. And so these two churches in, in San Francisco decided to call them and decided to ordain them. And actually, one of our beloved kind of New England colleagues, Krister Stendhal, who was the dean at Harvard Divinity School, wrote a letter of support uh, for these ordinations, saying, I'm sorry I can't be there with you for these ordinations extra ordinem. Good Latin turn meaning out of Sounds order, right? Yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and so from there, we, we have called these extraordinary ordinations, um, which is a lot nicer than like irregular Lutheran ministries or, <laughs> you know, right, yeah, right, right. we're grateful. Underground to Lutheran ministries. <laughs> right. Oh, but that has a ring to it. <laughs> right. yeah. Sticking it to the system. <laughs> you guys are catching on. <laughs> right. um, so that was the start of our movement. And so that started what was called the Extraordinary Candidacy Project. So it uh, became an avenue for people who wanted to be publicly out and partnered um, as LGBTQIA, um, provided them an avenue for for doing candidacy in seminary, and for some folks who uh, were already ordained in the Lutheran Church but who came out and and were disciplined by their bishops, it gave them a roster also to join. So for about... 18 years before the ELCA changed their policy in 2009, uh, we ordained 18 people, and uh, we welcomed, as a total, the the extraordinary roster was about 48 people. Wow. And another part of our organization's history was a fundraising organization called Lutheran Lesbian and Gay Ministries, uh, which was designed really initially at first to help pay for those pastors in San Francisco that were called extraordinarily. Um, And it ended up growing with the Extraordinary Candidacy Project, and it raised money to fund uh, ministries led by LGBTQA pastors and deacons. And uh, so there was a really neat connection between ELM and some um, mission development starts. And and then in 2007, those two organizations merged to form Extraordinary Lutheran Ministries with the purpose of making ministry happen now. So coupling the candidacy and the finances. 
And when the policy changed in 2009, everybody from our extraordinary roster was welcomed to the ELCA roster if they wanted to be. And so ELM kind of shifted and said, well, you know, changing a policy doesn't change people's hearts. And right. so um, they ended up creating a professional community called Proclaim, which has just reached 300 members. Mm -hmm. wow. And then we do minister. Uh, uh, we call it ministry engagement, which is uh, engaging with congregations, bishops, uh, ministries to help open calls for LGBTQIA folks. When people say, we're not sure we're ready to call a gay pastor, we say, how do we help you get ready? And then we also accompany LGBTQIA pastors through candidacy through first call. So um, providing advocacy and relationships and people to walk alongside. So that's, that's the current shape of ELM's ministries in our history. That's great. And so... How long have you been affiliated with the organization? I became affiliated with the organization when I was a seminarian. So I started seminary um, in the fall of 2009. I remember listening mm. to the live broadcast you know, yeah. on, online of, of the decision and literally in the car with my parents driving to my brother's birthday dinner <laughs> and just kind of crying in the back seat to yeah. hear that this had been passed. And then that fall started candidacy here in New England. You know, that was an exciting and a hard time for our church. And it continues to be this like tension that we live in, in the right. church of, you know, there's so many people who are so excited about change and there are people for whom this is not something they're ready for. Right. And I experienced that even in seminary where, yep. um, you know, I was ready for celebration and it wasn't quite there yet. And so proclaim actually this newly formed thing for ELM became this avenue for me to be around people who got it. You know, right. I could be my full self around. They, they were celebrating me, but they were also willing to say, yeah, some of these things are still pretty messed up. And so that's how I became connected to the organization was through Proclaim. And then I've now been the executive director for just over a year. Wow. Yeah. So, so where has that taken you? All over. The support base for ELM is national yep. and our members are national. So I've been uh, to California a few times, Seattle, British Columbia. We now support uh, six candidates or six rostered ministers in the ELCIC, Evangelical Lutheran Church in Canada, and Chicago a lot. That's the, where the headquarters of our church, or the ELCA mm -hmm. is. And, you know, I've been to Washington, D.C. and the, the Midwest, and it's, it's drawing me in many different places across our nation. Yeah, it's really fun. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Good. What are you learning? Wow. Um, there's an incredible, beautiful diversity of our pastors, and there's an incredible, beautiful diversity of our church. And our church is also an institution that has its benefits and it has its frustrations. Yeah. Um, I think that there's a lot of really good intentions in our church, and sometimes good intentions so don't translate to some of the maybe radical welcome or radical steps I feel like sometimes we need to take boldly um, in faith when it comes to welcoming. You know, the, the a lot of people still will refer to 2009 as the trauma of 2009 for the church. For some bishops that I've now talked to who spent uh, a couple of summers in church basements being kind of yelled at by congregations in their midst who probably eventually left the ELCA, mm. I can imagine that was really traumatic for them in that way. Um, the hard thing is when we refer to it as the trauma of 2009, because then who am I in that right. in that statement? And, and where's the healing then? Yeah, right. And, and so I can understand that it is hard that a lot of congregations left. It is hard that we live now in this tension of are we ready, are we not ready? And um, also 
you know, proclaim is 300 members now. There's 300 people who are actively saying yes to God's call to serving our church. And, and we need to, um, work together to find them calls and, Mm -hmm. um, and help our church be, um, as prepared as it can be for welcoming people. Yeah. It's really hard. Yeah. Yeah. And congregations are like institutions are not Mm -hmm. all of one mind, right? So you've got people that are radically open and people that are radically closed Mm -hmm. and people that just pick up their marbles and go home because they don't want to even have a conversation. And uh, people who feel, I think, sometimes ill-equipped for the conversation. Yeah. You know, there's, and it's not, it's not a judgment thing at all so much as uh, the world is, has changed really fast for a lot of people. And I, um, I think a lot of people will say, um, will say yes to becoming reconciling in Christ or say yes to saying we're welcoming and not do hard conversations to figure out what that really means. But we don't want to be the person who comes across as not welcoming. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And I understand that. And um, a lot of uh, LGBTQIA people or queer people can pick up on that pretty quick and when actually the work's not done. Mm-hmm. And that, that sometimes can cause more harm. It's, we do the same thing with being anti-ra- anti-racist. And, you know, people will say, oh, we're not racist, you know, and... Um, but unless underlying uh, assumptions, right. And unless we've done really hard work. Right. Um, and so I think that the hard part is that there's a lot of hard work to do. And, and after a decision like 2009, as opposed to saying, well, now we've made that decision and what does it mean for us? And how do we engage as, as community in this? We kind of said, okay, that's done. Next statement. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> you know, what next problem? And I think that work, like you said, is important. And in, in 2009, I had, after the churchwide assembly, um, I had one congregational member come up to me and, and tell me that he wanted to leave the ELCA. And I said, well, that's not my decision. That's the council's decision. And so I said, you're more than welcome to come to the council meeting and state your case. And, mm-hmm. and he did that. And the council looked at me after he left and said, what do we do? And I said, I'm not going anywhere, you know, <laughs> yeah. I think this is great. And they said, okay. And so we kind of just left it at that. Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't do any work. We didn't really have any conversations until we had a same gender couple come and ask for me to preside at their wedding. Mm-hmm. And then that really, there was more conversation after that. And, mm-hmm. and we had, we did the hard work and, you know, one of the conversations that we had was, well, does this need a congregational vote? Mm-hmm. You know, th- what, what come, what is the resolve of this? Or mm-hmm. is this, something I said you know I see it as a pastoral decision Mm -hmm. you know and I don't go to the council or congregation for every single wedding I do so why should I have to do this Mm -hmm. and uh, so we we ended up having a a congregational vote which passed and you know just to make people feel good about about it and whatnot and I don't know if I would have done that if I didn't think it would have passed but Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know so but now again it's it's I'm at a new call we haven't had these conversations the church hasn't had these conversations yet I've been here for four months Mm -hmm. and I think not only to see where people are at but I would love for us to move to be a reconciling Mm -hmm. Christ congregation Mm -hmm. and have a welcoming statement and Mm -hmm. that sort of thing so I know that that is it's still really important, I think, is what I want to say. I think people will say, well, you know, now 2009 has passed or marriage equality has passed in all of our states here in New England or, you know, um, that's just not an issue anymore. And it, it, it really is. is. It yeah. is. Yeah. And especially within faith communities, there's right. a lot of pain uh, that has been inflicted on queer people uh, by faith communities. And um, I, I'm even as a pastor, you know, I will pass an ELCA Lutheran church with a sign that says all are welcome. And I ask, I, I'll say, really? Does that, yeah. is really? that what that means? Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. really? Because I've been to many churches where it's like, 
pretty clear that that means you're welcome as long as you kind of are more are like us. Yes, right. This like assimilation. Yeah. 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 And I, I mean, not to say that I, I, as a pastor in the congregation in Connecticut, I know there's lots of things like there's lots for us to be talking about all the time, right? right. And I'm, I'm not trying to tell you like mm. it, your only thing to be talking about is, you know, queer welcome. I get that. And also I get to be called into this position that advocates for me to say, yes, I, I'm here to encourage you to, to talk about this more and how can I help you and how can I empower you to, to do that? Yeah. So if a congregation hasn't had those conversations yet or has kicked the can down the road, what would be maybe a way to start that or what resources would you maybe help foster that? Yeah. Well, I, one of the things that I do tell people is one of the best times to have the conversation is actually if you're, if you are a pastor and you're not going anywhere, <laughs> um, that's actually the best time to have a conversation about what does the future of leadership in your church look like? Mm-hmm. Because um, when you actually are in transition, you're very vulnerable and right. nervous. And so if you are stably in the call, now would be a great time <laughs> you know, to, to like have this conversation with your folks so that there's that stability. One of the I, I, and and it could be um, a series. There's incredible books uh, that are out. There's incredible movies that are coming out. Actually, right now, there's a movie that's coming out about um, conversion therapy. You know, so maybe it's worthwhile going to see it together and having a conversation. And so ELM has resources. Uh, and our, our resources are mostly geared towards opening calls for, for LGBTQIA leaders. Our sibling organization is Reconciling Works. And they have a wonderful resources that are kind of general educational resources about queer identities, why that matters, um, what's what do the different letters in the acronym mean. Um, so I would I would I always promote reconciling works materials and would would recommend those to anybody listening. But you know there there's probably also no lack of time right now in our current political environment where somebody doesn't say something that could be a wonderfully provoking Sunday morning, Saturday afternoon, something, you know, conversation, breakfast Mm -hmm. conversation. Right now, our society gives you plenty of fodder. Uh, Not for nothing. My dad, you know, when I took this job, my father said, you know, it it was soon after uh, the current president was elected. And my dad said, well, Amanda, job security. (laughs) 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 Um, Well, yeah, right. But um, there's, there's so much really rich stuff out there. And the other one is your your youth are probably really connected to a lot yeah. of the resources that are out there. And even asking them, you know, what are the things you're talking about? Who are the artists you're looking at? What are the movies you're watching? And I bet a lot of these themes, you know, come out um, through some of that as well. Um, I mean, I have definitely books and things that I could recommend. <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't you let us know a couple of those? We also yeah. could put them in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah. W- one book that I just finished reading that's really great is called Tran- Transforming, and it's by Austin Hartke, who um, is a trans man who has published an incredible book um, around understanding the I- trans identities and non-binary identities and also identifying trans characters and people in our holy scriptures and what does that mean and and weaves together the stories within scripture and the stories of people who are currently identify as trans or non-binary who are our leaders in our church what we kind of find right now in our, our work my work is people who identify as gay lesbian or bisexual and are cisgender mm-hmm. um, and white are having an okay time getting mm. through candidacy, finding calls. Um, our siblings who are 
um, trans, non-binary, people of color have are still having a really hard time. Um, are, are, and that seems to be an, an area that people have a harder time understanding. So that would be one book that I think is really mm. pertinent and, and time sensitive. Yeah. Before we move too much further, just d- defining some of the language mm. that you're using if people are not familiar. Sure. So cisgender... Yeah. That sort of thing, non-binary. What do, what do those things mean? Yeah, right. So um, if it's helpful, maybe go through the acronym yeah. real quick. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and I do this always like playfully because like my whole point is like the whole, it's not meant to be like something scary. So I'll be like, L stands for... Lesbian. Lesbian. Yeah. Okay. okay. Woo. Yeah, play along. All right. You guys all right. Are we'll, we'll play along. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and play along at home if you want to. <laughs> right. Too. <laughs> so we define lesbian. Your friend. <laughs> right. We define that cranky person. <laughs> I'm with you. A lesbian is some, uh, is a woman who is um, sexually, emotionally, and romantically attracted to uh, another woman uh, or women. And um, I am carefully defining woman. <laughs> um, and so it's also important that we recognize that there's different kinds of attraction. Mm-hmm. There's sexual attraction, emotional attraction, relational attraction. So L, G stands for gay. gay. <laughs> so gay is a, a little bit different. Gay can come, sometimes be a bit more of an umbrella term, right? So right. gay is generally somebody who um, is romantically, emotionally, and uh, sexually attracted to somebody of the same gender. Um, most uh, often, you know, it's been a term used for men, um, but also like I use it as a word to describe myself. Whereas you would not find a, a man or male-identified person who would describe themselves as a lesbian. You might find a woman or woman-identified person who would describe themselves as gay. So mm-hmm. kind of confusing, but it's yeah. generally somebody who is attracted to some people of the same gender. So L G B. Bisexual. Bisexual. Yeah, we're having fun. British. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> I mean, it could be British bisexuals. <laughs> I do like alliteration. <laughs> um, so bisexuality, people who uh, are uh, sexually, emotionally, and relationally attracted to people of any gender. Some people are now saying pansexual instead of bisexual because bi some insinuates a binary. Yeah, right. um, mm-hmm. And some people who identify as bisexual would say, no, I'm, I'm attracted to any gender. Um, but another term is pansexual. Okay. LGBT stands for trans. transgender, trans. Yeah, yeah. So trans is also kind of an umbrella term. And trans is basically a person who um, identifies with a gender that is different from the gender they were assigned at birth. Mm-hmm. So trans, meaning on the other side of, trans as that prefix, somebody who does identify with the gender that they were assigned as birth is called cisgender, which technically the prefix cis means on the same side as. So cisgender is a person who identifies with the gender they were assigned at birth. Transgender is somebody who identifies with a different gender than what they were assigned at birth. But transgender can be an umbrella term. There are people who identify as non-binary, meaning they don't um, believe that there is a binary in our gender, so they don't necessarily identify as man or a woman or male or female. Mm-hmm. Um, there's gender queer. Um, there is uh, gender non-conforming, and all of those are um, are words to say that um, there is either non-binary identities or that they do not necessarily adhere to one gender or another, which is partially why, you know, here at the New England Senate this week, we, we ask people to list their, their pronouns. Right. 
um, because um, you can't not tell by looking at somebody what their pronouns are, or we think we can, but we make assumptions. Right. Um, and so by publicly stating our pronouns, it just helps people you know, speak about us more or with us. Um, and people might use pronouns like she, her, hers, or he, him, his, but some people that's so associated with the binary, mm -hmm. they might prefer something more like they, them, there, or zizer, mm. zer, or faith, or fair. Um, it's important to know what, what pronouns people use. So that's T, LGBT. Q, we says, oh yeah, Q stands for? Queer. Queer. Yeah, good, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, some people will say questioning. Queer is another, but we use it for queer, and queer is another umbrella term. And basically how I describe it is anybody whose gender or sexual identity um, is not the norm of society. Mm -hmm. um, there there are norms within our society that say, you know, there's man, men and women, that um, men are with women, women are with men. Um, so queer identities are, when we say there's not just men or women, or I'm not what I was assigned at birth, or um, you know that I am in a same gender relationship. Um, it's also a sensitive term. <laughs> well, and I was going to say yeah. it's something that someone would identify themselves as. It's not mm -hmm. necessarily, I would say, that you are queer. That would be a little more. That'd be derogatory. That'd be more derogatory, right? right? Unless somebody says like I'm queer, and then you're just like kind of restating it. <laughs> okay, right, yeah. right, right. Yeah, but right to kind of just. Uh, uh, with any identity, it's always important that the, a person is self-selecting their yeah, identities. Right. But yeah. yeah, and and queer was used for a long time as a derogatory term. And yeah. so even within my work, um, I am cautious about when I say it because if you say it within older crowds, they will they immediately have this like reaction of that's a hurtful word. Mm -hmm. um, within the community, it's really an empowering word, and it's um, it was the first word that I identified with because it was broad and I, I just knew that I didn't identify with what I was supposed to identify with mm -hmm. and I wasn't really sure what that meant yet. So queer was this life-giving word of, okay, I'm just different, you know, mm -hmm. but it, it is something that people can bristle at. Yeah. So I'm, I'm cautious. Yeah. Um, we also use, so I and A in the acronym and I stands for intersex. And um, intersex, we, we also as a society have made an assumption that people are biologically male or female. And what we're learning from science is that actually um, what makes up our sex is a combination of gonads and chromosomes and hormones. And uh, it's not always immediately apparent, but that not everybody is actually just male or female. Um, we've as a society, we've kind of like a baby is born, we lift up their legs and we, based on their external genitalia, we'll say, oh, it's a boy or it's a girl. Right. And we do know that sometimes it's not explicit, you know, it's, mm -hmm. there's ambiguous genitalia. And we, as often as parents or as doctors, have then made a decision for kids to perform surgeries to make them one mm -hmm. or the other. But it's also that happens internally with our organs as well and with our chromosomes and mm -hmm. hormones. So intersex identity is about 2% of the population, uh, which is about as common as redheadedness. Mm. So oh, it's wow. more common than we think. Yeah. 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 And then the A stands for? Asexual. Asexual. Yeah. Good job, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I win. <You> yeah. <laughs> There's also the plus sign. Everybody else. <laughs> it's like, right? nailed the plus, Jeff. Nailed yes. the plus sign. I got it. I got it. <laughs> I love everyone. <laughs> Please. <laughs> 
So again, with like language that we put an A in front of something like atheist or, you know, asexual is this idea of not or no. Um, So asexuality is people who do not identify as having a sexual drive or you there's also um, aromantic people who Mm -hmm. do not necessarily um, seek out or desire romantic relationships. Some more language you might hear people refer to uh, asexual identities as ace. Uh, or a spectrum, because there's also a spectrum of really mm-hmm. what people's desires and, and what they seek out in relationship. Um, so some people might, you know, there's folks who identify as demisexual, and that's where there's no physical sexual desire until there's deep emotional connection. Mm. The, the beauty of the plus sign, right, is that we recognize that um, as we allow people to allow and there is an aspect of allowing uh, people to live more fully into the diversity of which God has created us in which God has created us um, there may be even more letters that are added to the acronym and there's uh, these incredible diverse identities Um, but you you all played well you all get like 100% 100 points (laughs) 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 so where do you see ELM going what's your kind of vision for I don't know where you want to take the organization and the work that you're doing. Yes. So ELN believes that the public witness of gender and sexual minority ministers transforms the church and enriches the world. And every once in a while, I, I think of that belief statement and I think, wow, that's a tall order. And uh, through well, all that Tuesday travel, maybe, yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. We haven't put a deadline on it. <laughs> right. yeah. um, but when I do this travel and I get to engage with our proclaimed members, um, there is something incredible that that is happening. And of when you have people who you know the church has said no to, or and society to an extent continues to say no to, are saying this incredible, powerful yes uh, to the church, to the gospel. Um, so some of the exciting things that I think for ELM is as this community of Proclaim grows, uh, how do we adequately and uh, sustain and um, empower these leaders to continue in these ministries? Not easy to be a pastor. You know, it's not mm-hmm. easy to be a religious leader in today's, easy in the sense of maybe what we have perceived from our childhood, what, what Christianity was like, mm-hmm. or, you know, the, the old models of what it meant to be a pastor where everybody went to church on Sunday. Um it's a very different landscape to be a pastor. And I think most pe- people who are pastors today, and I don't know how you guys feel, actually it's kind of exciting to be a pastor in this landscape. Of So it means that there's different challenges, there's different ways to engage. So we're, we're looking at how do we sustain queer ministers in this new landscape um, and what does that look like? So we, we are looking at kind of more professional support for LGBTQIA pastors. Um, you know, to go from having a, a group of about 38, you know, people, 48 people to 300, um, you know, our focus has been get people in and through seminary and get them first calls. And now we have people who need second calls mm. and are experiencing mid-call or yep. mid-career, you know, dips and yep. drought and people who are preparing for retirement. So what does it mean as a queer organization to provide support to people? Um, what What's the what's something special that we have to offer. So so we're looking into that and and how do we partner with this broader understanding of also what churches. You know, our bishop here in New England, Jim Hazelwood, just last night said, you know, these inter-denominational uh, relationships and engagement is not just the future of the church, it is the church. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so what does it look like for us to be supporting people in this new 
expression of the church. Yep. Yeah. One of the things I think Jeff and I both enjoy doing, think it's important as part of our ministry in general, but also the ministry of this podcast, is to give people platforms to share their stories, to get the word out um, about the good work that they're doing in the world. But what else can we be doing to help support what you're doing? Yeah. I think, you know, some of the important things are, are modeling you know, even within your congregations or within our peer groups, like here at, you know, a bishop's convocation or within, um, or, you know, here on your podcast, um, I'm not saying you have to, but what if when you introduce yourselves, you just like, hi, I'm Jeff Sinabaldo. He, him, his, you know, mm. hi, Joe McGeary. He, him, his, um, you know, using, putting your pronouns in your, your signature and your emails, um, just to normalize it, that mm-hmm. as opposed to only expecting trans people to have to identify their pronouns, that we all identify our pronouns and that's just what we do. Um, and, you know, ensuring one of the exercises we do at churches when I go is I'll sit in a group and I'll say, okay, tell me your first memory of a pastor. And if I asked you, what, what's your first memory of a pastor? Who was it? What did you learn? My first memory as a pa- of my, my pastor, actually, who's here, is Bill White. Hmm. Um, he was my pastor. He was there. And I don't remember so much, you know, things that he said or did. I just remember his presence during worship. Hmm. Um, and, yeah, that's my first memory. Mm. Uh, mine was he had a beard, and he occasionally would slip into character of whoever was in the Bible stories when he was hmm. preaching or teaching. He would do that. He had like a little costume wreck. It was kind of fun. Hmm. <laughs> Most of the time when we do this exercise, we get he, him, his pronouns. Right, right. Um, we tend to get older um, white men. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, my own story is actually that I grew up with only women pastors. Um, and so for me, I never questioned whether or not I could be a pastor because I always had a models within my church that I could. Right. Um, so... I think that when we think about who pastors were to us as kids or who pastors were to us at different points in our lives and how they modeled what Christ-like engagement with our world is like, um, it's it's stuff like, well, that's why it's important that there are examples, you know, mm-hmm. so we could, we could lift up examples within our communities of queer leaders who are doing good things, like Austin's book. Um, there's other people's blogs or, you know, maybe every once in a while in a, in a, Bible study, I don't know, it'd be great if you if you could show a video of a, of a queer pastor. How are we showing examples of queer leadership in the church? Um, how do you model by using your pronouns or, um, you know, like asking your youth at events to say, I, what's your pronouns? You know, um, how do you identify? What are the restroom situations in your church? Are they um, gendered or are they non-gendered? So it was very interesting. So I've been at my church for about four months. And when I got there, there was actually, uh, they're all single stalls. Okay. And they had, um, there's two upstairs, two downstairs, and they both had a male-female side, but also a gender-neutral, was that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Gender-neutral signs on them. So the first week I went on and I just took off all the gender signs. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody said anything. (laughs) I don't know if they couldn't figure out how to do it or when they put them on or whatever. But I, when I'm like, okay, these can come off. I'll just pull them off. And I did. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I'm like, it's kind of crazy that Mm -hmm. um, we have both signs on there and I don't want both signs on there. Would have been confusing anyway, right? Right, right, right. (laughs) The other thing that I try to say, and I think you both caught up, 
caught that too as I try to see siblings instead of yeah. brothers and sisters because that's a binary. And um, and actually there's like so many beautiful words you can use like beloveds and friends and yeah. children of God yeah. and community right. of God. And um, so even uh, thinking about how that language is used in your worship service, I think we're, we're pretty cautious about maybe the gendered language for God that we use, mm-hmm. but what about the gendered language at other times? Um, and, and what does that mean? So I, there, there are some great resources, and even actually the Evangelical Lutheran Church in Canada um, passed a wonderful resolution that looked at gender-neutral language in service, and so that's a, a great resource, too, to be thinking about. And the other thing that a lot of queer people will say, and I will say it to you also, is if you also just need somebody to practice with or somebody to run ideas by, you both know how to reach me. Other people can reach me. <laughs> You'll probably share my contact info if you'd like or yeah, our definitely. website. But, you know, it, it's always, I think, better to ask. Like you ask somebody somebody's pronouns. You, it's better to ask than to make assumptions. And um, But there's there's a lot you can do. Yeah. Yeah. Great. This has all been very positive and encouraging. Oh, uh, good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's who you are. Yeah. But um, I don't know. Is there a story maybe you could share of, some hostility you received or uh, resistance to your presence in a community or I don't know, maybe that's putting you on the spot a little too much, but well, because I just, I know not everybody's here. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's still a long task for all of us to keep negotiating. But. And, and I, it's so one example that I was actually just sharing with a colleague upstairs was my, my internship site um, was in California and there love them dearly. We had a, a really incredible experience, but I actually walked into the experience very afraid um, because I had heard that a member had come up to the pastor and said, I'm not so sure a lesbian should be, a, you know, a pastor. You know, to the to my supervisor, this was one person, and he knew the person. He knew the person's context. and But to me, as this new pastor, you know, living into this identity, knowing our church has just gone through change. Very vulnerable. I I was super scared going into my internship and I kind of approached everybody at an arm's length Mm -hmm. and it was uh, working with a spiritual director that I was able to kind of work through some of my own fear um, and ended up having just an incredible experience on internship. But I think, you know, I, I named that one because there is an aspect of when I ask Proclaim members, what are some things you want people to know? One of the first things they'll say is like, we've been hurt by the church. And so there may be a little bit of that arm's length nervousness, not totally, you know, able to engage or unless we know there's welcome. That's the importance of like those statements or the work that we're doing. And, and, you know, that we have situations where, um, and this is some, where some, again, some of that hard work kind of comes in, but certain settings where, the identity of a candidate isn't shared with a congregation Mm -hmm. and um, out of fear, you know, of what will happen, but it's usually couched in well, we had best intentions. You know, we really wanted, um, we wouldn't tell people if you were straight Mm. and, but also people wouldn't care if you were straight or it's the assumption. Um, So, you know, we have instances of, you know, people who are in transition in their gender um, in seminary and um, are having a hard time finding internship sites. Mm-hmm. Um, we, uh, I think I'm a little bit hesitant to tell too many of my own personal stories, sure. <laughs> um, uh, especially uh, with, I, I don't, I think, and this is, or maybe it is worthwhile to share because it's not a matter of, 
I, I um, I'm not saying it to shame. I think it's mm-hmm. it's more right. you know to learn. But um, my own identity, I, I shared publicly with my my first call site, and uh, to the council and to the call committee. And it wasn't. And I, I made the assumption that they would share it with the congregation, and they didn't. And I didn't find out until two months later when a couple was leaving the church. And the hard thing for me was, um, it just made me think that if you were so scared to tell the congregation, is there a reason I should be scared Mm. to live my full identity? And it just made me kind of, I think, hold back just a little bit Mm. the rest of the time I was there. Um, And I... They'll they'll probably be like that was you holding back, um, but <laughs> but there was there was yeah, an aspect right. of me right. holding back just because I wasn't sure how welcome it would it would really be. Right. Right. There's harder stories out there yeah. as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's something that we can all learn from, and I think that is the important part. And you and you talked mm-hmm. about that earlier is just. There's there's a lot of questions even you know as as we live into this and have this conversation there. We're not experts on on any of this, mm-hmm. and I think that uh, being open and just saying, you know, it, it doesn't make you any less of a person. It actually, makes you a little bit better if you if you take the courage and, and ask, and so mm-hmm. you're fully informed. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. For me, it's always just about. I mean, our call is to love our neighbor, mm-hmm. and if that's your starting place, always. How do how am I loving my neighbor? Mm-hmm. So much, so many things we put in the way just really don't matter all mm-hmm. much, but. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's the hang-up always, I think, for folks. It's hard. And I wonder if sometimes that looks more like actually receiving things from your neighbor, if mm-hmm. it's even if it's like information. Like I think sometimes l- like love can be getting to know people, mm-hmm. you know, and um, right, yeah, and 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 being and forming relationship. It doesn't always have to be like, well, I feed the hungry and or what we do you know. for someone. It's, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's yeah. Partner, like real partnership. Mm-hmm. With folks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for. Uh, yeah, this has been great. Thank this, you. You know, redoing this podcast. I think this is great. Uh, even better than the last one, I think. So <laughs> I think we just read my the memory serves me correctly. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. There is no transcript unless you wrote it down while listening. It was Kevin Nealon's big thing. But so, if if people have questions, uh, if people want to get to know more, if if someone is out there listening to this and um, you know you identify as uh, someone who is LGBTQ. I A, T I A plus, plus um, and wants to enter into candidacy or mm-hmm. get more information. How can they reach you? How can they uh, connect? Yeah. So our website is uh, www.elm.org. And uh, our contact information for our staff is there. And also we have a resources page. And we have some incredible uh, resources written by proclaimed members to kind of say, yeah, so you're thinking about seminary. What does that look like? Well, thank you very much. Any final thoughts that you want to share before we sign off here? No, thank you for the invitation. Thank you for your graciousness. Yeah, thank you. We'll do it again next year. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, we are the Two Bald Pastors, and we uh, like to help you connect your faith with your life. I'm Joe McGarry. I'm Jeff Sinabaldo. And I'm Amanda Gerken Nelson. We hope you have a blessed week, and we'll talk to you soon. Take Bye care. Now. Bye now. They might not have hair, but they really do care about faith and life. Two bald pastors. Coming to you loud and proud. (laughs) From the corner of the hotel bar. All right, I think we should be good. In Hyannis, Massachusetts.
right? 